0: Hey everyone, I'm George Davis, and I too want to welcome you to this online service of the Hershey Free Church as we continue our journey through the book of Colossians. So if you've got a Bible, I'm going to ask you to join with me in turning to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. By the way, as you're doing that, I've got a quick favor to ask of you. You know, as we're going through this study, we're talking about engaging this season well. And one of the things we want to do to engage this season well is get a pulse on where people are at. So we prepared a brief wellness survey. It's just a short, anonymous survey that you can take to help give us feedback in our planning and preparation for the next few months. You can find that survey at our most recent e-bulletin. You can also find it on Facebook. So if you could just take a couple of minutes and fill that out, know that that feedback is going to be deeply appreciated. So thanks in, in advance for doing that. Now, as as we continue going through Colossians, uh, I want you to put yourself in a scene for a moment. It may actually be part of your experience this week. I I want you to imagine this week that you are in a small group setting, perhaps meeting in person, perhaps meeting on Zoom, maybe like a a small group here at Hershey Free Church, one of our Live Love Lead groups. And, uh, you know, you come to the time during that small group experience where people start sharing prayer requests. And, and you reach a point this week in that small group setting where someone looks at you and asks you this question. How can we pray for you? How can we pray for you? So, so just think with me for a moment. How would, how, would you, how would you engage that conversation? How would you engage that question? Maybe you or someone in your household, if you're part of a household, is finishing school, so maybe that would be a prayer request. Maybe it would entail something related to work or maybe something COVID-related. Your income's been affected by COVID. You might bring that as a request. Maybe there's a health issue you are facing. And, you know, there's some people in our church even now that are facing some pretty serious stuff in terms of health. If I, were, if I were part of your group and you, you asked me this question, perhaps, you know, I would look at you and say, well, you know, I've got one son who is finishing up this semester of college. He's about to go into exams. I've got another son who's now preparing for his next job and is in that transition. And then a third son who's going to be moving to Arizona. So those might be some of the things that I would mention. So maybe you would bring up some stuff like that, something going on in your life. Frankly, maybe you'd be sitting there and there's something that comes to mind, but it's really too uncomfortable for you to share, so it might be uh, some issue in your, your life right now that's at the back of your mind, but, but you mentioned something else to the group. Or maybe you would just say, you know what, I can't think of anything specific right now. For many of us, we've, we've been in those conversations before. They're part of our life experience, part of our church experience. But, but when you found yourself in those conversations, have you ever wondered this? Have you ever wondered, I wonder if there's more to prayer than this. Have you ever felt like maybe I, I'm just stuck at times because I get, you know we, we ask this question week after week when we meet and it seems like we're always bringing up the same stuff over and over again. Have you ever wondered if maybe I'm missing something? Maybe we're missing something. The reason I ask is this. As I've already mentioned, we're continuing our our study uh, through the book of Colossians, entitled, Deeply Rooted Together. And as Paul is writing this church, you know, he's writing a church that is facing their own set of challenges, their own set of problems, their own set of issues, and it's really a vulnerable moment for them. But Paul also understands it's a strategic moment, and he's writing them so that they can engage this moment well. And as we've already seen, you know, in in opening the letter, he, he offers thanks to God for what's going on in their lives, but then he describes how he is praying for them. And as he does so, and this is what we're going to look at this morning, as he does so, he is praying in a way, he's praying in a way that may surprise us a little bit. In fact, as you read this, as you look at this passage, um, Paul actually may be expanding your understanding of prayer, helping you to see a dimension of prayer that perhaps uh, you really haven't engaged or thought of significantly, a way of praying that you really haven't put into practice. So we're going to look at that this morning as we come back to Colossians 1. Now, I'm not exactly sure what comes to your mind when we talk about prayer and we talk about the subject of prayer, but ultimately, it's you know, prayer is about connecting with God, communicating with God, listening to him so that that our hearts and minds are aligned with his. And, And as we watch Paul pray, I think in in certain ways he's going to challenge our thinking about prayer and how we approach prayer. And maybe the major takeaway that I want to share with you from Paul's prayer is this. (laughs) Don't simply pray about your problems. Pray for progress. Don't simply pray about your problems. Pray for progress. Now, to show you what I mean, let's now come to Colossians chapter 1. So when we come to Colossians 1, Paul's prayer uh, and his description of his prayer begins in verse 9, and this is what we read. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. And here's, here's how he's been praying for them. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that his spirit gives, so that you may live a life Now, I think the truth is this. For some of us, when we think about prayer, here's how we think. We, we think prayer, th- uh, prayer this way. Prayer is what you do when you have problems, right? You, you take them to God in prayer. I mean, we see that throughout Scripture, right? So whether it's a health issue, a work issue, a relationship issue, a financial issue, a family issue, whenever I have problems, I, I'm to pray for God's help and assistance, In fact, it it may be the case that, um, you know, if my life's going reasonably well and you ask me what you can be praying for, I really don't have an answer for you because I, I just really associate prayer with praying about problems. But notice this prayer. On the one hand, Paul really is, he's praying about the problem in Colossians, I think it's going to be clear as we go through the book that a major problem facing this church was the influence of false teaching. Later he says, look, I don't want you to be deceived. I don't want you to be taken captive by false ideas. And I think the implication throughout the book is that they're in danger of absorbing this kind of teaching. And it becomes clear this teaching is teaching that is telling them you don't measure up, you're not doing the right things. It's a Teaching that's really tapping into their fears, that somehow they are deficient spiritually. So, so Paul has just said, you know what? He's, he's praying for spiritual insight, for wisdom. He's praying that their knowledge of God would grow. So he's, he's praying about the problem that they're facing. But notice how he does it. Frankly, you know, frankly, in this situation, I, I might just pray along these lines. You know, may the false teachers go away. Uh, Move them on, God. Protect this group from false teaching. And, you know, Paul is working towards that. He wants to minimize the impact of this false teaching and and equip the church to handle it well. Yet notice this. He's also also praying for growth. Right? That they would grow and and develop in the midst of this. So he's, he's not just praying about the problem. He's praying for progress. Now, to really understand what that looks like, um, let's just work our way through the passage. So Paul says, look, I'm praying, I'm praying for you that you would have wisdom, understanding of God's will and insight that really comes from his spirit so that, and here's the goal, so that you would live a life worthy of the Lord. That's really what he's praying for. I'm praying in the midst of these problems that you would live a life worthy of the Lord. Now, what exactly does that mean? Well, I think we have to understand this, this kind of language clearly, and it's language Paul uses in multiple letters. We have to understand it clearly, or we will misread it. Um, this may sound like, you know what, you need to live up to a certain standard. You need to be worthy, right? Are you worthy? Have you lived up to the standard? That may be the way you hear this, the way you read it. I I realize for some of you, maybe you've got a job where, you know, there's certain performance metrics that you have to meet, certain standards that you have to accomplish, then that's just part of your employment. But that's not what Paul is saying here. What he is saying here is this. I'm praying that you would live a life that is consistent with who you are in Christ Jesus. This this isn't about achieving. In fact, at the end of the prayer, right, he specifically acknowledges that it is God who qualifies us to participate in his kingdom. Our status is based on his work on our behalf. So as you read this, here's, here's what Paul is praying for. He is praying that more and more their new identity would become their reality. I mean, he's, he's writing these Colossians in the midst of the problems, and he's aware of the problems, he's praying about the problems, but in the midst of that, he's also praying, and in the midst of this, I'm praying that you would live a life worthy of the Lord, that more and more who you are in Christ, your new identity, becomes your reality. That it shapes how you think, how you look at yourself, how you engage other people. It shapes the habits that you are developing, and it influences the habits that you are putting off. For Paul, this is God's vision for our lives. Once again, it's not that we shouldn't pray about the challenges and circumstances that we are facing. Paul clearly does that. But in the midst of those prayers, he doesn't lose sight of God's goal and vision for our lives. He doesn't simply pray about the problem. He prays for progress. Now, if this, if this is the goal, what exactly, what does this look like? Okay, he's praying, right, that you'd live a life worthy of the Lord, that that you would live a life pleasing to God. It's, it's, it's the life where more and more who I am in Christ is really shaping my reality and how I engage my world. But those are all big ideas. So what does this look like? Well, once again, in, in this letter, Paul helps us out by then defining and giving us examples of what this life looks like. And he highlights four things specifically. First of all, he says this kind of life, he said this life that I'm praying for you for, it's a life of, of bearing fruit. Now, we've already seen this theme, right, in this letter. It's an important theme in the letter, this idea of bearing fruit. And it, and for Paul, the theme of fruitfulness can be both internal and external. That is, it, it can he can be talking about the change that God's spirit can bring about in shaping our character. Furthermore... It, it, when he talks about fruitfulness, it's not necessarily just internal change. It can be external influence. It's, it's the influence that we can have on others as we live as followers of Christ. And I think here the, the focus is particularly on our engagement with others because he talks about bearing fruit in every good work. And arguably, understanding Paul's prayer is his understanding of creation. I think underlying this prayer is Paul's really understanding that, you know what, we've been created in God's image so that each of us in our own way is is intended to make a contribution to the world in which we live through our relationships, through our work. We're we're intended to bear fruit as we serve, as we live out the character of Jesus Christ. So as we live out our new identity, he's, he's praying that we will bear fruit, that we will have positive influence in our day-to-day relationships and experiences. Secondly, as he's praying, you know, that you live a life worthy of the Lord. Secondly, he says this involves growing in the knowledge of God. And I think what Paul envisions here is this. it's It's the ongoing journey of understanding who God is and who we are in him. And I think the expectation is, as we take steps of obedience, and as this process continues, it leads to further knowledge of who God is, right? right? As, as we, we talked about responding in faith last week, and so as we, you know, as we respond in faith, as we learn what it means to be obedient, those steps also further our knowledge of God. So Paul writes here with the expectation that there's always more for us to learn, more for us to experience. Now, interestingly, um, in the original Greek, this letter is written in Greek, in the original Greek, the word order of this paragraph implies that these two ideas are interconnected, that they're interwoven. So it's not simply that Paul prays that they bear fruit, and then it's off to the next thing, that he prays that they grow in the knowledge of God. I think that the word order shows that, that Paul views these two ideas as very much interconnected, and interrelated. And I think it's important that we understand this. Recently, um, I, was, I was reading the life story of an individual who's become very successful in his field. Uh, among other things, he's a gifted author. He now is a gifted leader of a large organization and very much a committed follower of Jesus Christ and committed to living that out. And in telling his story, one of the things that was fascinating was this. In telling his own story, he went back to his childhood and his teenage years. And he, he told a number of vignettes from those seasons in his life. He described multiple scenes in his life. And they were very different scenes, but here's what they had in common. All of the scenes were disappointing and painful. And, and while they were very different scenes in Each and every instance, there were experiences that communicated to him this message. You you don't measure up. You're inadequate. And as an adult, he eventually reached a point where he realized that those messages were a driving force in the storyline of his life. I think maybe some of us could readily relate to that experience. He was doing some really good things, he was doing some really good things as a follower of Christ, influencing people in positive ways, yet it was it was driven by a sense of inadequacy and in some sense, you might say this he was he was bearing fruit, but it was it was disconnected from true knowledge of who God is and who we are as followers of jesus and for him that that Realization began a process of learning to think differently, learning to embrace the truth of who God is and who we are in that relationship. And I think he, he was coming to understand this that, the, you know, the bearing fruit should grow out of the knowledge of God, and the knowledge of God should lead to bearing fruit. The two are interrelated. And we need to recognize that they go together. And his experience, his experience, is an example of the dangers that can come our way when we separate these two. Let let me just give you a couple of other examples. Maybe you've been in a church context where the focus is is understanding the Bible and theology, which is very crucial and important. But it, it was a context where that seemed to be the only thing that was really important. Right? The more you know, the more mature you are. That was the underlying message that was communicated to you. But but if all we see is growing in the knowledge of God, I think we can become vulnerable to hypocrisy. Because if the knowledge of God is all that is important, I can then become very comfortable with all sorts of inconsistencies in my life and inconsistencies in how I relate to others. On the other hand, maybe I've been in a church environment where, where the focus was almost entirely on, you know, doing the right thing, on bearing fruit and... And what that should look like. Here are the standards you must follow. It's all about the standards. But that focus on doing the right thing wasn't really connected to growing in an understanding of who God is and what it means to be part of what he is doing. If, if all I see is this theme of growing in... Or excuse me, if all I see is this theme of, of bearing fruit and it's not rooted in the, an understanding of who God is... I think I've become vulnerable to legalism and losing sight of the wonder of God's grace. But notice as Paul prays, he he prays for both of these. And I think he's intentionally praying in a way that he wants us to see they're interconnected, right? I'm I'm praying that you'll bear fruit, but I want fruit that grows out of the knowledge of God. And I'm praying that you're going to grow in the knowledge of God, but I'm praying that it, it happens in such a way that it fosters ongoing fruitfulness in your life. That's how Paul is praying. Now, with that in mind, let me just make one kind of sidebar comment, one observation to parents, and that is this. As our culture uh, becomes increasingly diverse in terms of values and priorities, I think it is critical for us as parents to recognize that these two themes really are interconnected and that they grow together. Because we may find ourselves, right, with a strong desire, I've got to teach my kids to do the right thing. I've got to teach my kids biblical morality. I've got to teach them right from wrong. And all of that is important. I want my kids to understand a, a biblical understanding of sexuality and a biblical understanding of priorities and how we engage one another well. But if in teaching our kids how we really focus on is the what you need to do, the bearing fruit. This is what it looks like, but it's not connected. It's not rooted in an understanding of who God is and who we are in Christ Jesus. I think that's going to create trouble along the way. You see, we we can't simply tell our kids the what. Here's what you should do. We also need to give them the why. This is the the way to live. This is the approach to human flourishing because it flows out of who God is and the way he has created the world. So I think now, perhaps more than any time in recent memory, in memory for those of us who are parents, we need to understand in engaging our kids and coaching our kids and instructing our kids, we need to know and we need to understand that these two themes go together. And notice that is exactly how the Apostle Paul prays. Now, he prays for bearing fruit, he prays that they would grow in the knowledge of God. Thirdly, very quickly, he prays that they would be strengthened so that they have endurance and patience. And I think in praying this, Paul acknowledges, you know what? We're going to experience challenging situations. I mean, the Colossians were going through that. It's not like, oh my goodness, the sky is falling. You've got, you know, what have you done wrong that now your life is becoming complicated? No, Paul is not thinking in those terms. Paul understands that, you know, in following Jesus and bearing fruit and growing in the knowledge of God, there are going to be some challenging seasons where what God wants to do is strengthen us in endurance and patience. I think many of us, whether we realize it or not, recognize that this is the kind of season we've been going through and we are going through, one that is challenging us to be strengthened in patience and endurance. Among other things, this means when... Those kinds of challenging situations come our way. Don't presume that this means you've done something wrong. Rather, recognize that God can be at work in these seasons as well. So here's how Paul prays. He prays that they would bear fruit, that they would grow in the knowledge of God, that they would be strengthened so that more and more they have endurance and patience. And finally, that they would give thanks to the Father. And once again, it becomes clear that for Paul, part of growing in Christ is growing in gratitude and thankfulness. You know, I'm praying that you're going to bear fruit that flows out of the knowledge of God. I'm praying that even in the midst of your hardships, you're not going to become bitter, but you're going to recognize these can be seasons where God is strengthening you to endure, to persevere, to have patience. And I pray that all along the way, you'll be attuned to to really God's faithfulness so that you give thanks. That's how Paul prays. That is how Paul prays for the Colossian church. I'm praying that you will live a life worthy of the Lord. I'm praying that you will live a life where these themes become more and more evident. Yes, he is concerned about the problems they are facing. But he doesn't simply pray about the problem. He also prays for progress. Now, very quickly, in in learning from Paul's example, let me just make two two quick observations. First of all, uh, just recognize that this is a powerful prayer. And can I suggest that, you know, in in learning to pray Scripture, which is one of the things we're wanting to do in this series, that, that this can become a prayer you come back to time and again to pray for yourself and to pray for other people in your life. Once again, for those of us who are parents, I think this is a, a powerful prayer at times to come back to, to pray intentionally for our kids, that, you know, that they would live lives that are worthy of God, that reflect their new identity in Christ Jesus if they are his followers, and that they would bear fruit, that they would be continuing to grow in the knowledge of God, that they're going to be strengthened in the hardships that come their way so that they can continue to give thanks all along their journey. It's a powerful prayer to pray for ourselves and other people in our lives. And secondly, um, here's one other observation to glean from, from this prayer, and that is this. I think this prayer can help us pray about problems in our lives in new and fresh ways. Once again, it's not that we shouldn't pray about problems and challenges. It's not that that is somehow subspiritual. But it's as we pray about those, don't lose sight of the goal of what God is seeking to do in our lives and the lives of other people. Don't, don't just pray about the problem. Pray for progress. So, I mean, you know, I mentioned the issues going on in our family, just praying for my sons. So, you know, so as I pray for my son who's finishing this semester of college, not only that he, you know, he gets enough rest, that he studies, that he's prepared, but also that kind of the, the stretching of this academic experience continues to be an opportunity for God to develop endurance and patience in his life. As I pray for my two sons, who in many ways are now taking next steps, and one in pursuing a job, one in pursuing a, a new community and relocation, that not only to pray about the logistics and the decisions that they are going to be making along the way, but to pray that that God is is going to be at work in their lives so they continue to know him better. And handle the situation wisely, and that in the new people they're going to be meeting, and the new experiences that are coming their way, that they would have opportunities to bear fruit. So once again, it's not just praying about the problem, the circumstance, the issue. It's also praying for progress all along the way. And I think this can, this can really <laughs> stretch and enrich our conversations with God as we pray about the things that are going on in our lives. So don't just pray about the problem. Pray for progress. Now, as I mentioned ago, we are in this season wanting to pray through Scripture. And just a reminder that if you would like to join us in praying through Scripture as we go through this book, we have a a guide to praying this book that is available in hard copy here at the church, or you can find it in a PDF version at hfcinfo.com. And along those lines, can I I just pray for us? Can I pray for you right now uh, along the themes of this passage? Let's pray together. Gracious God, um, I don't know all of the challenges and issues that we're facing, all the people who are participating in this service as we gather online. But I know some of us are carrying things that are really heavy right now, some of us have ongoing issues that just continue to be in front of us. And Father, there, there are things perhaps that we've, we've already been bringing to you in prayer. But as followers of Christ, I pray in the midst of whatever this week looks like, whatever our immediate future looks like, I pray that we wouldn't simply focus on the problem, that we, we could pray for progress. Father, in the midst of of this pandemic reality, it is still your vision for us individually and as a church to be people who live a life worthy of you. And I pray for us that we would just embrace this vision of what you are doing. It's it's a vision ultimately empowered by your spirit. That's what Paul implies in this prayer. It's not something we do on our own, but may we be open to this. This is what you're seeking to do in our lives that even now, more and more, it's the work of your spirit to make our new identity become our reality. So may we be open to that. May we cooperate with that. May may we be sensitive to his leadership. And I pray with that in mind that that we would bear fruit, that even now we would be attuned to the ways you're you're wanting to be at work uh, in our relationships, in our work, in our school. But Father, may we understand that 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 fruit is to flow out of our ongoing knowledge and awareness of you, the reality of who you are, the reality that your grace is at work in us. And I pray that as we seek to be obedient, that that knowledge of you, we continue to grow and develop. And Father, we do acknowledge some of the hardships that we have gone through, and for us, and for some of us, those have been acute um, over the last few weeks and months and even over the last year. But may we be be open to the truth that even in the midst of hardships that come our way, that you can continue to be at work strengthening us. So will you protect us from bitterness when those experiences become difficult? Will you open us up to your transforming work? And as you do, I pray that we would take time to give thanks that we would be attuned to ways we can celebrate your grace at work. And thank you for the gift of Jesus all along the way. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.